Welcome to the GovComs podcast, bringing you the latest insights and innovations from experts and thought leaders around the globe in government communication. Now, here is your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to GovComs, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. Today, we go back in time once again to a conversation with Gina Florence from the city of Bryan in Texas. This was a few years ago now, and it was at a time when the podcast was called In Transition, and it was at the time that we were featured in the new and notable section of iTunes in the government and national sector. We actually jumped from 76 to 19. It was many years ago. But Gina Florence is an experienced government communicator and the city of Bryan uh, sits in a very important part of Texas. And she tells some wonderful stories about the challenges of communicating in the city of Bryan. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Thanks for tuning in once again. But here is my chat with Gina Florence from the city of Bryan in Texas. Can you tell us a little bit about the city of Bryan and your role there? Absolutely. So the city of Bryan, um, it's actually Bryan College Station, is two cities and that make up one community, and it's the home of Texas A and M University, which is a very large university in the states. Yeah, I we know all nestled- about it. Very, very big football team. Oh yes, sir. We are nestled between Houston, Austin, and Dallas Fort Worth, so we're really right smack dab in the heart of Texas. And we are a small community. We have about 85,000 residents here. Uh, That's in Bryan or is that both College Station and Bryan as well? That's specifically Bryan. The two cities together probably have about 180,000. So do you have to look after the interests of the students in terms of your communication or are you very much looking to the interests of the people who live in Bryan? Both because we do have a lot of students that live in Bryan and you know, one of the things that we expect of the students is to be a good neighbor. They're here for a short period of time before they move on to somewhere else. But a lot of them will come back. We we have found that many of the graduates of A&M come back to the area when they retire or they come back um, to further their career or their education. So we try to build a relationship with them uh, from the get-go. Okay. Now, looking at your uh background. You've worked in the private sector, you've worked for a national association, and now you're in local government. What are the differences in terms of communicating and engaging with people? Well, the big difference is that in um, the e-commerce world, you're definitely looking for ways to convert people and and to monetize um, everything that you do. With nonprofit, it's not always about monetizing. It's it's really about engaging and getting them to feel passionate enough to take some kind of an action. Sometimes that is a donation. Sometimes it's you know calling a congressman, something like that. And both experiences actually have taught me a lot and have have um, served me very well in local government because you are one trying to sell people on an idea that maybe you don't need to monetize as far as. Um, you know, getting people to pay money, but you want them to have enough faith in the services that you're providing so that when they pay their taxes, they understand where their money's going. But you also want to engage them and keep them coming back to 
the city for more information and sometimes to get involved in city programs or attend town halls and public forums and anything of that nature. So you're really taking the best practices from the two different entities and merging them into um, how, how to really maximize your impact at the local government level. Okay, so let's go back to the day when you first started this new job in the city of Bryan. When you walked in there, what was in front of you and what have you done between then and now to stand up a content marketing program? Okay, we had an old website that was in the process of being redesigned. It was very hard to use. It was not mobile friendly. And you couldn't really, you know, figure out how everything was laid out. We would have um, information really broken down into departments and not user friendly at all. So if somebody comes to the site looking for permits, they may not necessarily know which department to go and find that permit in. And what we did was we really, um, we launched a new website a couple months after I started. It is very mobile friendly, but it also allows us to add in content. And we started looking for um, ways to group information in a way that made sense for people. Um, if you wanted to volunteer with the city, before you had to know exactly which department you wanted to volunteer and know that they offered volunteering. Uh, now we have it in an area where if you want to volunteer, you can go and read all about the different opportunities. Um, we take some of the more complex areas of our um local government, and we try to consolidate them into a way that really makes sense. We took, um, we, we did something where we took all the different summer programs that all the different departments offer, libraries, parks and recreation. Uh, the police department actually even does a junior police academy over the summer, which is free for high school students to come in and kind of learn what it's like to, to be a police officer. And so we packaged all of that together in one easy place. And we started writing content about it and started promoting it to really drive people to understand all the different programs that we offer through the city that they may not have known about. So we've really taken a lot of, of new leaps and bounds and we're looking for, you know, more ways to promote what we do in ways that really resonate with our local citizens. Now that audience first approach that you've adopted there is obviously best practice and it sits at the core of all effective content marketing, that really core understanding of what does the citizen need and want to know from us as opposed to what do we want to tell them. How did you go about convincing other people within your municipal council that this was the right way to go and that they perhaps needed to think much more about putting the citizen at the heart of the communication as opposed to at the end of what a department or branch may want to talk about? Well, we started very small. We launched one article just to see how it would go over. I got the article approved, and it was really promoting programs. Um, I had several requests from different departments wanting a press release, and I took a different approach and wrote it as an article that I could share across all of our social media channels um, that we could do more with to really help to spread the message. And once we did that test and it was with something that, um, again, it was all of our summer programs last summer, we were able to take those numbers, the numbers of times it was the links were clicked on. um, It was 
you know, retweeted on Twitter, it was liked or shared on Facebook and have that data to go back and say, this one worked, I think we can do more. And so we've really been able to um, build off of it. And our website traffic year over year um, has been growing. But even from the old website to the new website, in months that have been historically low traffic months for us, we are seeing a steady increase. And a lot of that is attributed to these articles that we've been writing. I like that insight that you have started small and you've proved uh, the value of, of what you're doing as opposed to going in and saying, hey, let's, let's boil the ocean and let's throw everything out and, uh, and start again. So that was a key part of the success, obviously, just to find an area where you did have some success and you could demonstrate measurable success, which then obviously moved people to say, yeah, okay, well, let's, let's try something else. Absolutely. And everyone was very hesitant, you know, local government, especially in a small government, they weren't really sure what I meant by con- by content marketing. And so it's really been kind of changing the way that people view what we um, put out and how we market ourselves. It's not just typing a press release and hoping that the local media wants to run it. It's now we have to go out and, and kind of gain our own audience and bring them to us and keep them engaged. I think often when people think of those website redesigns, uh, reorganizations, big website projects, you know, often they, you know, there's such big projects, they can be very awkward, they can be very difficult. What sort of insights can you give people around website redevelopment in terms of some of the steps that they should take in order to have a successful website redesign, particularly in the age of mobile first? Well, I definitely think it needs to uh, be a mobile-friendly website. It needs to render across whatever platform you're using, whether that's a, a laptop, desktop, a tablet, you know, iPads or, or other tablets, and your phone, because most people now do access the Internet from their phone or their tablet, more so than they do um, a laptop. So and when you are especially looking for a city government, a lot of times you are in that moment, let's say there's um, a street that a, a pipe broke, you may not be at your desk. So you need to be able to access it from your phone so that you can find out the number to call or a way to report it online. Um, I think you also need to take into consideration that a lot of people would rather shoot an email or a text um, to their local government instead of calling and being transferred around Um, because it's always a frustration. You don't want to call the wrong department and be transferred around two or three times. And, you know, we really, at the city of Bryan, try to take any phone call, regardless if it's your department or not, and get the issue resolved and then forward it on to the appropriate department. Um, The other thing to really think about is making sure that you have a platform that is easy to use, easy to update, easy to add content. You know, our first website, we couldn't add any content to it. Um, All that we could really add were our press releases. It just wasn't set up to account for any type of content to be updated regularly. Um, I think just knowing how people use websites will help in the redesign. Anytime that you can consolidate information and have there be less um, clicks, Because, again, if you're using it on a phone, you'd rather scroll down as opposed to continue to click through navigation. Um, So I think those are some some key elements to keep in mind is where can you consolidate information, put, 
you know, a couple different pages worth of information onto one page. So it's all right there. How expensive was it for you to engage in this sort of um, re-engineering of the City of Bryan's website? Well, we have um, a webmaster on our team that really did the primary redesign of it, and we used WordPress. Um, we did a custom template with WordPress, so it wasn't you know, designing it from scratch where we needed a lot of developers, but we did have the help of our IT team um, to make sure it's secure and everything is stable and um, to update the servers, but we had one person primarily responsible for the website redesign. Our graphic designer helped with the overall look and feel of it to keep it in line with what our our brand look is for the city. Um, And more than anything, it was time-consuming more than costly. It took many, many months of going and meeting with the different departments and making sure that we had the latest information from them that we could consolidate it in a useful way. Now, are those different departments that you're working for, are they now publishing their own content into the own, their own areas of the website or is it still being funneled th- through you as that s- central coordinating point? As far as the content goes, it's being funneled through me. Many times I'm coming up with ideas based on what I look at the, the analytics, what are people looking at, what p- pages are people going to, and then looking at those pages and seeing, you know, where can I create a story? How can I make this easier to understand? Why are people coming here if they're looking um, you know, for information on recycling, then maybe we need to come up with, you know, an article on all the different thing, you know, all the different ways to recycle and what we recycle um, at our center. We have a, a, a do-it-yourself oil change center. We have a tire, a tire recycling program as well. So putting all that information into an article um, and we're using the analytics. So a lot of it is looking at the data and then going to the different departments and getting the information and writing it um, that in that approach. Is your plan that at some point that you will uh, train people in those different line areas so as that they can publish their own content so that they can do their own content marketing? Yes. In fact, we've just started um, reaching out to different departments to see who's interested in it. And, and so we're starting off with those that have an interest in it um, that you know, even if they don't think that their writing is up to par, if they could kind of get the skeleton work done, then we can go in and and make it sound correct with uh, grammar and editing and um, all the stuff to fine tune it. But at least they can get the ball rolling. And we are starting to see some um, some departments that are interested because they really do want their departments promoted and they see that it's working for others. And the passion of those people is is infectious and contagious, isn't it? You can see that they really love what they do and they want to get it out there. And you find, I, I know in my experience, you find some wonderful storytellers amongst people who may not be notionally communicators, but I think it really is so important that we start to look across our organisations for storytelling resources and not just think we've got to jam everything through the sort of stovepipe of the communications area and there the only ones who can tell the story. Of course, because because they are your best brand ambassadors. They they do the job day in and day out. They know what people are asking them. You know, people that call into their departments, people that catch them on the streets. You know, if our um, 
solid waste department is out, they tend to interact with people on the streets. You know, as they're collecting the garbage, people will talk to them. People ask them questions. Um, through this process, I've learned so much about our local government. I've learned that, you know, our solid waste department, if you have, if, if you are elderly or handicapped and need help rolling your trash can to the curb, our solid waste team goes out and will roll it to the curb for you. And then after they take your trash, they'll roll it back up to your house. And that's something that a lot of people didn't know, but we were able to, to tell that story through content marketing. Yeah, I just it's just wonderful, isn't it? You can almost see, you know, videos, you know, as how to roll your trash can, you know, and here's Jerry who's been doing it for so ever many years. Here's the, you know, top five ways to get your trash can to to the curb. Exactly. So, you know, we really are trying to capture these stories from people that really do love their jobs or or they see some of the pain points that residents have, you know, you know, if they're having problems accessing a particular um, form, if they're having ac- problems finding the right department, we want to make it as easy for them as possible. Okay, let's just drop back into a day in the life of of Gina Florence. Uh, you know, to give us a bit of insight as to how that all works. Oh gosh! Um, so there's a team of four of us in the communications and marketing department. My primary job is all the communications. Um, I handle all the press releases and the media contacts and the social media. And we also do some writing for a local um, a local utility magazine. So there's a lot of stuff happening in one day. And it's really about um, coming in and looking at what's the priority. And sometimes the priority changes from one moment to the next because – you know, the media will call and we'll need to schedule some interviews. But I always have a, a content calendar going um, or at least a, an idea of what I want to run and when. And I try to go around and I meet with a lot of the different departments and try to get stories from them and find out what's going on and what, what can we share. And, you know, I'm now starting to get a lot more involvement from other departments that they are interested in writing. They're interested in being involved on social media to help, again, build these brand ambassadors. Um, But a typical day, you know, I could be writing two or three or four different things from a press release to something for our website to an article that will be published in this little magazine. Um, And then on top of it, trying to look at the analytics and, and figure out where our traffic is coming from, what they're looking for, and if there's any, um, you know, issues that I see that we need to hurry up and resolve. If people are, are going to one page and, you know, bouncing off of that page really quickly, maybe we have it described incorrectly. Maybe we need to figure a better way out um, so that people are getting the right information that they need on that, that piece of uh, the website. We'll come back to that, I think, in, in, in a minute, just as to exactly how you um, go about using your analytics and, and how your analytics are set up so you can um, gather those insights. But I'm interested in this engagement with the media and where that sits in terms of your priority. My, my own approach to content marketing actually includes the media very much as part of our content marketing approach. We look at it as an offline channel. It's been there for a long time. Certainly, media organizations have built very large online audiences, so they are still very influential. But in terms of priority, where do they sit for you? Um. 
usually when we write an article, it does get sent out to media and, the, and it's a great story pitch for them. Um, but a lot of times when I'm getting the media calls, it's for something that's happening immediately. They are trying to run a story that evening, usually about an issue in the city, um, whether it's something going on with our city council or, uh, you know, a new program that's going out or something like that. So in, in that regard, we try to get it handled and resolved as quickly as possible. And then now, um, since we have been sending them all these articles that we've been writing, they're now calling me asking for story ideas. And so, you know, we're now becoming a little bit more engaged in developing longer term stories for the media to go out and really promote our city. So it's kind of, um, if it's something urgent that they're trying to get on the news that day, it takes first priority. If it's something that they're looking for um, longer term, then we really, you know, we, we have a good working relationship and we go back and forth. Um, but I do consider it as part of my daily job, whether or not they're calling for that story in that moment. Yeah. And in terms of sending off um, those stories, you, you're presenting them not as media releases as such, but you're presenting them as straight stories. Exactly. And sometimes they won't really run with the straight story that we did, but it'll give them an idea. Maybe they want to go follow our solid waste department and see how they interact with the customers, especially those that need, you know, the assistance with their trash can. So it, it gives them ideas and a different angle to look at how the city works. There is just so much content tied up in government, isn't there? There really is. It's just phenomenal how many stories you could probably put together, not only for the media, but through, you know, to distribute through other channels. How do you make judgments about priority? You know, what's first, what's second, what's last? Um, what's first tends to be what is coming up, um, what's time sensitive. So, you know, summer programs. Right now we are really in the middle of promoting everything that's coming up this summer that people need to get registered for. So stuff that is very time sensitive tends to be first. Um, the next tends to be what people are searching for. It goes back to using the analytics. You know, what are people coming to our website? What are they looking for? How can we make it easier? And what is last is kind of the stuff that we think should be told that maybe hasn't been told yet. And while it may be last in the priority, those actually tend to be the best articles because that's the stuff that people didn't even know to go looking for. In terms of those analytics, let's just jump into that at the moment. Give me some insight into exactly how you go about your analytics. How are they set up? What are you looking for? And how do you draw your insights out of your analytics? Well, we use Google Analytics for our website, and what we do is we really look at what are um, the pages that are most visited, how many unique visitors came to that page or came to the website, how long are they spending on, on the website. There are certain pages um, where we have what we consider our FAQ, our Frequently Asked Questions. We want those pages to have you know, a very minimal time on the website. They're coming, they're looking, they're getting their answer, they're going. But... In other pages, we really are trying to help keep people on the website for just a little bit longer, and we link to other related content so that maybe they'll, they'll bounce around. If they're interested in one thing, they'll go to another. 
And we're really just looking to see, you know, in those instances, are they spending the time on the site to read, to click through other links? We've been tracking um, all of our links in, that send you to other pages internally, as well as those links that send you to external um, pages. We have an online registration system through our parts department, and we're now tracking if you come to the website looking for information on our parts programs and you read about it on our website and then click to go sign up, we're tracking that. And so if we see that people are going to the, the parks uh, registration, but their registration numbers aren't up, we look for how can we maybe explain it in a way that makes people register to really fill in that gap. Um, Cause it may be that we've explained it, but they didn't know that they then had to go and sign up and pay. Maybe we need to do a better job of, of explaining that. And so we've been looking for any of those little tweaks that we can make and keep to keep on improving our website and what we produce to really help spread the message. So, so use, we, yep. So, so using analytics, obviously, to inform the content on the site and how it's organized and how it's arranged and how it's being consumed. But are you also using analytics to validate this approach to, to, uh, to present information to your bosses so that they're understanding just exactly the impact that you're having? Correct. And how do you go about that? We produce uh, monthly reports that we send out that have it, all the information um, as far as our web analytics. Um, how many people came to the website? How, what were the page views that month? What was the bounce rate? Um, but then we also take what our highest articles were, um, what our highest uh, Twitter engagements were, what our highest Facebook posts were, and we really compile it into one report so that you know they can see that not only are people coming to our website and find the information that they need, they continuously come back um, and they're sharing our content across social media channels. So it's been a, a great way for them to see the bigger picture that um, it's great to put the content on the website. It's great to share it across social media and, and to make videos, but how do all those tie together and to see that um, it all works cohesively together. And by the sounds of things, you're having quite a bit of success. Is that helping you perhaps to bid for more resources to strengthen your content marketing program? We are trying. We are in the, <laughs> the budgeting process right now. But, you know, I will say it's a double-edged sword because they also see that we're doing great with the resources that we have. So, um, you know, we keep trying to tell them that we could be doing more with more resources and they're just very impressed with what we've been able to do in a short period of time. So if you had more money, what would you spend it on? Another person. Okay. Um, in all honesty, get another person that could really help facilitate a lot of the writing um, and to really be that liaison between our department and the other departments. Um, I think that would be a, a great asset. Or if that wasn't the case, then um, – I would use it honestly. I'd I'd use the money on um, Google AdWords. We we've been running a, a little bit of campaigns on Google AdWords to promote tourism and a little bit of economic development, and that's been very successful as well. So I'd like to do more of that. And what about video? 
it's obviously uh, you know the 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 big mover uh, going to be massive growth in video uh, across the web over the next you know well for the foreseeable future. How do you build in a video component when there's there, there's you, the graphic designer, the webmaster, and and one other person? How do you go about creating he's that web- content? Yeah, he's our video and photographer. So we do have an in in house um, videographer that produces probably four to six videos per month minimum. In addition to you know filming all of our city council meetings and taking photos everywhere. Um, so we are really, you know, looking at in not just increasing the quality or the increasing the quantity, but really increasing the quality of the videos. He does a great job, but we're looking at, you know, capturing more, um, local residents. We know that whenever we use them in our videos that, that they get shared more because people do like to share, um, with their network when they're in a video. So we're looking at, really how can we um, get more creative and how can we incorporate as much of the local community as possible and get out of our own studio. It sounds like you've got a great, um, well-balanced, multi-skilled team there, isn't it? You just really can't afford to have someone who doesn't have loads of skills as part of your newsroom there in the city of Bryan. Exactly. So we are very talented with that. We each kind of have our own specialty that we work on. Um, and then we all brainstorm together. So we really do complement each other well. Okay. Let's get some tips out on the on the table for people who are listening to think, wow, you know, this is a you know real great best, uh, best practice example for us to be able to follow. So let's go through and look at some of the things that you, you really think are the not negotiables to get a content marketing program started within a local government area. So how about you give us two or three of your, your best tips? Um, anything that you put on your website needs to be shareable. Um, you know, don't just send out a press release to your database, make it be on your website as well. Cause those are great keywords and don't rely on the, um, news media to be the, the source for your own press releases. I think that's a good one. Um, look for the really compelling stories to, to be shared. We had, um, an instance not too long ago where, um, one of our guys on the street, he's, he was fixing um, a drain, and a woman came outside of her house to pull the trash out, and he noticed that she was really cold, and it turns out that she didn't have any heat, and it was a really cold day. So he called um, our public works dispatch, who contacted our community development team, who was able to help um, reach out to a lot of the local nonprofits and bring in um, a space heater and blankets to really help this woman get through, you know, a couple of really cold days. And that's a story that wouldn't have been shared without a program like ours, where we really went out looking for stories and, and looking for those moments to, to, to cap, um, to really captivate our audience. Um, I would also look at, you know, making sure that your website is mobile friendly. You know, if, if it's not mobile friendly, Google's now penalizing uh, you in searches from your from people on mobile phones. Um, make sure that when you do write content, that you grab a lot of the keyword rich um, words and put them together, so it so it really helps improve rankings because then more people will see you, especially 
if you're trying to bring attention to a new program. And I think that's more than two. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. But just in terms of those keywords, I know people understand, yes, we've got to make sure that we have those keywords there, but really it's still, you would agree, I imagine that it's important that while those keywords feature, but you really do need to make sure that you're writing for a human, not writing for a robot. Exactly. And there's a way to do it that incorporates both. So you want to make sure that you are using the keywords in a way that makes sense and is appropriate. You don't want to just be throwing in keywords that don't relate to the, to the content. And what about headlines? Oh, headlines are very important. Um, we, I come from you know the, the for-profit world, and one of my responsibilities was um, email marketing. And I used to test subject lines all the time. So there's a lot of little tips and tricks that I've picked up over the years and, you know, how to's and lists with numbers really do gain a lot of attention, you know, four ways to do this, how to do something. So we look for, um, for those and, you know, I'll write a list of about 20 different, um, headlines before I'll publish to see which one I like the best. And, and sometimes, you know, we'll, We'll try it one way one time, and the next article we'll try something a little bit different and see if that impacts it. I would love to be running a little bit more A-B tests, but um, we don't really have that luxury currently. So it's it's not – we don't have the amount of audience coming to our website on a day-to-day basis to, to test – to A-B test a headline on one story. All right. Well, listen, we could go on and on and on. And as I say, there is always going to be so much to talk about. I think distribution is another area um, of interest, uh, collaborating with third-party sites. Do you do any of that in terms of the content you create, getting it out from your own platform and getting it elsewhere where the audience may may already be? Um, We're working on that. We definitely have some some local partners that are sharing our content and we're looking – to expand on that. That's kind of the next step that we're taking. This year was really about proving it out. Next year, it's definitely going to be about optimizing it and really, you know, how to how to take what we're doing and expand our reach. You've been listening to the GovComs podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and subscribe to stay up to date with our latest episodes.